Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war gosh, you guys, I am really excited for today's show. I'm going to take a stroll down what could be viewed as maybe a controversial path. I don't think that that's a rare path for me to stroll down on my show, but I just wanted to have kind of an open and fun dialogue about something. Well, some things really there's, there's about 10 that I am going to talk about or kind of highlight. But these are some either well-known or some maybe hot topics that could land under the title of conspiracy theories. As I've mentioned on previous shows, I am not only a self-proclaimed conspiracy theorist, which now I consider myself to be a conspiracy realist after the last three years in particular, but also how that thought processes and how my views about the world have forced me or have encouraged me rather to do some digging on some things that I thought were questionable from our past and from our history, both as people and as a country. And I now have pretty firm thoughts about some things that I think other people would look at me and maybe roll their eyes and call me crazy, which is nothing new. And I actually... I welcome that because hopefully it opens up some dialogue. Hopefully the people that are maybe confronting me with an opposing view are doing so out of a place of curiosity and out of a desire to have a dialogue. I can't say that happens all the time, but it does happen sometimes. And from that, you get this really lovely exchange of thoughts and ideas and concepts and knowledge and maybe a sharing of information that someone hasn't seen or read or heard before. And I love that. That is something that I thrive on. And I think that it makes humans a part of humans who they are in their intellectual curiosity. So today, sort of like the David Letterman show of days of days of yore, I guess, um, there's the top 10 list. And I just thought I would throw out there 10 of sort of whether you want to call them my favorite or ones that I think are worth talking about and exploring. But we're going to dive in on 10 of my I guess I guess I will call them my favorite conspiracy theories and I'll share with you maybe my perspective on why I'm questioning the narrative surrounding what we've been told about it or why I think maybe other people are hesitant to look at it from a different viewpoint that's maybe counter narrative and just toss some ideas out there see if it doesn't spark some interest for you to look things up or look at something from a different perspective. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's go for it. Uh, the biggest one 
the biggest. So maybe I'm working backwards. Maybe I should have gone 10 down to one, but I'm going to start with number one because I think that it carries into, well, it does carry into uh, some of the other ones that I want to talk about. But I think if we really talked about Jesus and the Bible and maybe a perspective of believer versus non-believer, I think it could be called a conspiracy, especially from a non-believer standpoint. If you maybe haven't, and I wasn't raised in the church, I found the church, I had influence, I found the Lord through friends, family, things of that nature, but it wasn't something that I necessarily like grew up in. It wasn't kind of ingrained in me from childhood. So I think because of that, I've had maybe the opportunity to look at some things and ask some questions and have some curiosity about things other than maybe just what is told as we are growing up inside the church. But I think if you maybe don't come from a faith-based perspective or maybe even know a lot because it's hard to know, it's just hard. The Bible is not necessarily an easy book to read. Think language, context, um, just all of those things, it can be a little bit challenging. And so maybe that is also why there is some hesitation to dive in. I also talked a little bit on a previous show, I think just about a potential poor reputation that maybe the quote unquote Christians get or this mega church or some of the things that are perceived as doctrine. I think those definitely tend to push people out versus draw people in, which I can totally see. But Jesus is a concept that can be challenging. I understand that, especially for a non-believer. And the Bible can also be challenging. However, there is so much about the story. I'll call it a story just for conversation's sake. There are so many tangible, factual examples that we have in modern day that link us directly back to Jesus and the word. We have time, we have location, we have people, we have, you know, geographical locations that are still in existence from biblical times. Something that I always find very interesting is maybe if there are historians or scientists or people that look at anthropologists, maybe that look at history and they look at similarities amongst different cultures or practices around the world of, of groups that were very, very separate and that they have some common themes amongst them. I always like how they are able to justify those and give examples for why those things are true. But then when you talk about Christ and his life and the things that were experienced and the biblical accounts that transpired, there's always some excuse for why those can't be true. 
it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting contradiction in my head. A specific example that I'll give is we all know the story of the flood, Noah, the ark, the animals, the flood. I was watching a show the other day and I'm racking my brain to come up with the name of it, but it was basically looking at, it was an an, an archeology span show. And the host is a guy who's not a quote unquote scientist. I think he's actually a journalist and he just has an immense amount of curiosity. He loves to go to these far off corners of the earth and dig deep and look into things and really question them, question if we're accurate on when the people lived there that lived there, how particular structures were built, why were they built the way that they were built, the angles, the height, the materials that were used. So he's very, very curious. And I love that. I It's part of the reason why I watched the show is because you can tell he's a question asker. What he pointed out, which I found was very interesting, and it was over the course of a couple of episodes that I watched, was that in a variety of different cultures across our planet, in wide ranges of time frames, so spanning hundreds to thousands of years, through archaeological digs and you know the like rock carvings things that they have discovered in all of these different cultures there was a depiction of a flood and the stories that then got passed down sort of like these folklore that people will call them or these myths or what have you that then get passed down from generation to generation And maybe there's even a yearly celebration of it, or there is something inherent to that culture about that one particular incident. And the flood to me is so fascinating because it is a very, very famous biblical account that we now see depicted in a variety of different cultures around the world that we want to just call a myth. We want to call call it folklore. We want to sort of disprove it from these from these cultures standpoint. And I personally think the reason that we want to do that is because it would give credence to the Bible. It would create it, it would make the Bible now not this sort of storybook or this fairy tale. It would be a tangible account of something that God said and did and put into word. And then, you know, it, it happened all over the world and there are these other accounts of it, but we would have to go back to where the root of that started. And that would be the Bible. And I just find it so interesting. There is such a hesitancy, I think, to turn and dive in And maybe even look at the Bible as a historical text versus a religious text. Maybe if people were to do that and they could look at the time frame, like I said, the people, the geography, what was happening culturally, maybe if it was looked at from a historical text, it wouldn't be so potentially 
off-putting to people. But I just think it's really interesting. I always find it fascinating when we will look at other examples that happen in other cultures and we take them either as valid that they did in fact happen, but yet we won't take the stories and the accounts as factual that are written down in the Bible. And certainly Jesus is the biggest part of that, right? We have this representation, this human, this human form, God on earth. We have the accounts, we have the testimonies, we have the written, we have the verbal. And it is such a challenging thing for people, not only I think to conceptualize, but also due to this maybe constant barrage of Christians get put into sort of this box of they're this, they're that, they're this, they're that. And if any of those feel uncomfortable to you, well, you are going to sort of disassociate yourself with Christianity and then ultimately disassociate yourself with Jesus, right? So loosely, that's my first, that's my biggest conspiracy theory is that this, this notion that, that Jesus wasn't on the earth, that he's not the son of God, that he's not the Messiah, uh, despite all of these pieces of evidence that we have and that we know. And speaking of the Bible, it kind of segues into my second, uh, my second conspiracy theory, which, well, it's actually really number numbers two and three. And something that I've actually been doing a lot of thinking about, reading about. I've been finding different resources, trying to have things make sense, I guess, in my own brain, if you will. But there is a lot of talk these days about what shape our earth is. And here's where you might roll your eyes. You may even turn the program off. You might think, oh my gosh, she's too far gone. She's a flat earther. Here we go. Here we go. And that's totally fine. Your prerogative, your choice. However, I wouldn't say that I'm a flat earther by any means. But what I will say is that there are quite a few uh, things in the Bible that have me scratching my head as to whether or not we are on a ball spinning out in outer space. I'll be very honest with you about that. In addition to some scientific things that I just can't wrap my head around, but if I go back to the source, which is God's word, in the Bible, there is the mention of the firmament, which is sort of like this dome covering, if you will. And it separates the waters above and the waters below. So the talk of this maybe dome shape, I kind of picture it. This is like a very elementary way to picture it or describe it, but sort of like a snow globe, if you will. So you have this base that's maybe a plane, but it's not flat by any means. We have mountains and we have, we have heights and we have depths and we have texture and we have concave and convex. But over that is sort of this, glass dome or this see-through dome, if you will. 
And another very elementary uh, description of this would be the movie, The Truman Show. If you've never seen that before, where he's literally living in this sort of bubble existence and he starts to figure it out one day and he sails out on what he thinks is the ocean and he literally comes to the end and he pokes through and now he's in like a movie set. But if you're thinking about kind of this dome over covering, uh, I think about the Truman Show. And the Bible talks has so many other pieces of scripture that talk about or that lead me to believe and others because there are other very, very intelligent people out there, whether they are pastors or I don't know, maybe just critical thinkers like myself that indicate that we're not spinning, that we're set on a foundation. So, so we aren't necessarily moving. So maybe our shape versus movement, those are still in question. But I am not yet convinced that what we see from NASA about our Earth is what our Earth is. And a lot of those things, a lot of those thinkings do come from the scripture. But then I also have questions from just a regular, just my regular brain and how it works. You know, if the earth is, if the earth is rotating or the earth is, you know, spinning, you know, we see all of these quote unquote pictures come from NASA and we typically only see one viewpoint, right? We see this, this picture of uh, North America, South America, and then the continent of Africa. And it's green, you know, with the blue, blue ocean. Uh, that's always kind of the standard image that we're shown. Almost like there's no other, no other place in space where, where they're flying. I have questions about, I don't know, simple math. There are a lot of very, very intelligent people, people that are good at math, significantly better at math than I am that talk about, you know, how far your eye can see and what you should be able to see depending on the curvature of the earth. If that is actually, you know, if our earth is actually curved, where my line of sight should go and how far I should be able to see. Technically, you shouldn't be able to see certain points that far out because it would be, you know, the, cur the curvature of the earth. I also am not sure. And now if somebody wants to comment in the, in the comment section or send me some personal feedback, that would be amazing because I would love it because maybe some of these things that I talk about, I, I don't mean to sound, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know really how I sound when I talk about these things, uh, but this is like internal conversations that I have in my head all the time. But if we are spinning out in space and we have the most, we have the smartest scientists on this planet who have come up with, can do experiments and can solve all sorts of problems, but we can't get water to stick to the side of a ball, right? You pick a ball up out of the swimming pool and the water runs right off the side of it. And we have gravity. So gravity should be holding that water on, 
Or how come we can't replicate that in any type of science experiment? I haven't been able to find that. And I guess I'm just curious how water then can stick to the outside of a ball that's not just stationary, but it's also spinning. And if there's that much gravity to push the water down and stick it to the side of the ball, how are we even upright? That seems like a lot of external force. We, I don't know that I'd be able to jump. I don't know that I'd be able to lift my arm up. That seems like it would have to be a lot uh, of a gravitational pull to hold that water on there. That's my brain, you guys. This plate of spaghetti in my head, constantly asking these questions and really not being able to find an answer. And that's, I guess, what I... I don't necessarily know that I need the answer, but I would love to have a dialogue with somebody that could explain that to me. I think it would be fascinating. And what does make more sense to me is that we're potentially on a, on a more plane-like surface and we're not spinning. And we do have a perhaps dome covering over us. And that we're told that we're on a spinning ball because it actually contradicts what's in the Bible. Because if the Bible is truth and everything that we're seeing nowadays and what's happening in the world is to contradict the truth, well, I think I might go with that model. So while we're on the topic, let's just keep going. Let's keep diving in on these conspiracy theories as we're talking about the earth and as we're talking about space, the moon landing. This is a big one for me, you guys. I have been skeptical of the moon landing for a long time. And I know that there are going to be probably some people out there that really think I'm nuts now. I've got family members that do totally fine. Specifically the family members that are of the generation that feel confident that they watched that on TV and that they were alive when the first people walked on the moon. Cause that's what you grew up with. That's what we've been told. That's what we know. That's what is comfortable for us to think about. Why would they lie to us? Why would they do that in the first place? Why would they lie? Those are very uncomfortable notions to have to sit with. But here are my thoughts on the moon landing. Let me just throw these out there. And there are so many videos out there, so many articles, again, so many intelligent people providing evidence that is questionable, that almost debunks a lot of this in certain ways. And, you know, maybe actually before I go on with this, I should just casually mention the root of the term conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory was actually a term invented, created, disseminated by our CIA. So our own government created that term after JFK was assassinated. And they used that and they labeled people as conspiracy theorists who questioned any of the narratives surrounding the assassination of President Kennedy. That right there gives me pause. 
if you have to come up with a term and if you have to work so hard to label people that are asking questions about a significantly poignant time in our history, that gives me pause. And then look how much it has just sort of spread. It now is used all the time for a variety of different topics. Again, anything that goes against the narrative that is just being shoved down our throats, whether that be an old narrative, a current one, a new one, if you are opposing, if you're not buying in, you then are called a conspiracy theorist. So let's go back to the moon landing, the conspiracy theory. If you look closely at the equipment that was used during the moon landing. I don't know about you, but it looks like a science grade, a seventh grade science project to me. I mean, this looks like tinfoil wrapped around paper towel tubes put together with some pipe cleaners and some hot glue. There is nothing to me when you look at either still photos or videos that screams, this is high tech, number one. Number two, that it has any stability. Uh, There's just a lot of what I consider to be areas that could be questioned surrounding the equipment in and of itself. You also have a variety of still photos in which Neil Armstrong is wearing two different colored boots. There's photos where he's wearing white boots and then there's photos where he's wearing black boots, which is curious to me. I'm not sure that while you're walking on the moon, you have time to to make a, a fashion change or to swap out your boots, but I find that very curious. And there are a few more things that I find curious. I do have to step away and take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to dive right back in. So stay with us. We're talking about the moon landing conspiracy theory. I am your host, Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud. And this is America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. 
HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Time this is All right, back at it, you guys. So I left off talking about Neil Armstrong's boots. Uh, maybe he felt the need to make a fashion change or one pair wasn't as comfortable as the other, but do, do yourself some, do yourself a favor and go looking for those photos. They're interesting. Black boots versus white boots. The other thing that I find very interesting, and this also goes back to kind of our conversation about space and really what is happening out there. There are no stars in the photographs of us being on the moon. I find that very interesting because when we look out from earth into space, there are stars. So where would all the stars go if we're on the moon looking back at earth? It's just pitch black. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I guess I haven't really been able to find anything that, that provides an explanation for that. So I'm very curious about that. And my other piece of curiosity is the infamous phone call to the moon, right? Nixon, red phone from a landline. Um, I lose cell service out hiking and yet we made a landline call from the White House I just, I don't know about all of that. That seems very, very, very strange, especially for the 60s, right? Let's examine the 60s versus what we have now as far as technology is concerned. We have cell phones, we have GPS, we have wireless internet. We have all of these technological advancements. And even with all of these technological advancements, we haven't been back to the moon. That is also very strange to me. Why? Why haven't why aren't we do why aren't we doing trips once a year to the moon? Why aren't we still going? Why can't we get back there? There is a great video actually that that um, you can find, and it is somebody that works at NASA 
And he says on camera that we just don't have that technology anymore. So we went backwards in space technology, but we've gone forward in every other kind of technology. Hmm. I don't know. It just is a head scratcher to me. It really just makes me think. And there are some other theories about the moon and the sun, and especially as it relates to the firmament, like I talked about earlier, a couple of theories. So let's just kind of bring this full circle and let's maybe connect these dots here. One of the theories is, is that the firmament is impenetrable, so you can't get through it. So if the moon is on the outside of the firmament, you can't get there. There's nothing that can, that can pass through um, that, that barrier, that invisible barrier to get to the moon. So that's one theory. And another theory is, is that the moon is actually inside of the firmament, that it's not as far away as we are told that it is, and that it's actually not a solid structure, that it's actually more of a gaseous type structure that's a light source. And so therefore it can't be landed on because it's not solid. So two more really interesting sort of concepts that make my brain do cartwheels. And I love it. I love questioning everything. I think it's gotten me in trouble. Actually, I know it's gotten me in trouble a few times in school. But I, I, I can't, I can't help myself. I can't help myself but think maybe outside of the box or think a little bit differently or question kind of everything that we've, that we've ever been told. It's a lovely place to be actually. If you've never, if you've never dipped your toe in this conspiracy theory water, I encourage you to do so. It's a fun place. It's a place of discovery. It's a place of excitement. It's a place of critical thinking and just sort of always looking at things. You don't have to be critical or suspect or negative by any means, but just curious and excited to gain new information. The hard part about it is, is when you get information that confronts everything that you've been told before and you actually now realize that you've been lied to about some things. Cause that does happen. That happens all the time. I think we've seen uh, hundreds of examples of that over the last three years about what we were told. It was actually a lie and how you wrestle with that as somebody that maybe believed the lie. And that's the thing with conspiracy theories. Some of them go back to the Bible. <laughs> some of them go back to the beginning. And others are relatively new. But in any event, I just encourage you. I encourage you to look at things differently and have an open mind and ask those questions or spark dialogue with somebody maybe like myself that dives in on these topics and then find the counterbalance. 
have a conversation with somebody who thinks the exact opposite of how I think. And hopefully both people will be willing to have a, a nice uh, dialogue with you about things. So I'll leave you with that from the moon landing with all of my nuggets of the things that I question. There's a lot more that I question about it, but those are kind of the big ones uh, that I, that I question about it. And I want to get in on something else. And it is really funny to me that a lot of these things directly link back to what I consider sort of our, our spiritual battle that we're in and that a lot of light is being shown on things right now, but there is also this theory. This is more of maybe a, a modern day uh, theory that looks at Hollywood and Hollywood being basically satanic, uh, the Illuminati, um, these celebrities and these stars, these musicians being so entrenched in the world, literally the world, that this is how they achieve fame and fortune. And it is very, very interesting to go in and look at some of the stars at the, especially I would say singers, maybe actors and actresses. Well, I would say they, they exist too. But if you really look at the music industry in and of itself and how much mockery there is of Christ, how much almost, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's mockery because we all think, we all think the devil's going to walk in and have horns in its tail, right? That's not it at all. But they, they do use that particular type of imagery to portray Satan or the devil. And I can't help but think that a lot of that is, is true. This whole idea of selling your soul. And again, as a faith, faith-based person, I have to, I have to understand that there is a counterbalance, right? If there is good, there is evil. And if we put our focus and our attention on the good, that's where it should be. But the enemy works to put your focus and energy on him and ultimately has the ability to reward you for putting the focus and the energy on him, even though in the long run, it is not a reward. But if you look at, let's say, magazine covers, album covers, uh, photo shoots, things of that nature, there are so many celebrities and musicians who really do the same type of symbolism. And I think that the symbolism is a way of communicating perhaps their allegiance and maybe what sort of activities they are engaged in behind the scenes or what they've potentially done to get to, to get to where they are. And this is one that I feel pretty confidently about. I think there is enough evidence out there. I think there are enough examples of this taking place that for me, it's not even really one of question anymore. I think that Hollywood and our sort of famous people and the industries that they're in are 
absolutely um, demonic in nature, I will say, and definitely working, working on the side of evil. And I think that there's a lot of power in that. There's power in music. There's power in lyrics. There's power in symbolism. Our movies tell us a lot. And those things can be influential. And that's what the enemy loves, especially with kids, right? So listening to music or the movies that they watch or the TV shows that they watch and how easily they can be influenced. And that is, that's the goal of the enemy, and we prop these people up. We make them false idols. We, we kind of quote unquote worship them. And that's, that's the way the enemy works. So do some research, look into this as well. Look into, you know, the symbolism of the Illuminati, if you will, or, um, Hollywood symbolism. I, I think there's a lot of, of common elements that you will, that you'll stumble across. And speaking of Hollywood, we'll dive right into my next one, which is a little place that you might know of called Bohemian Grove. And Bohemian Grove is wild. It is wild to look into. Kind of more challenging, I would say, to get information about, probably because they want to keep it as secret as they can. But Bohemian Grove, and, and again, I think it ties into this um, good and evil. And I think that all the people that are playing here are playing on the side of evil. Um, but Bohemian Grove is this large, I want to call it like a camp, but it's sort of this weird, uh, place out in the middle of the woods outside of Los Angeles, I believe. And they've got this big, like owl statue. And so many of our presidents have been there it's a very secret club. It is very, uh, it's, it's, it's notorious in nature when you talk about the things that happen there. Uh, apparently there are sort of these like bunk rooms with these bunk houses that are not enclosed. Um, one end is open and then, uh, beds in them. And they basically just hold, very sort of secrets and very strange ceremonies there. It's not to be talked about. No cameras, of course, are allowed in. It is very, very secret. Um, high profile people there. And again, I am of the belief that the reason that all of those people are there and what they are doing is to work on the side of evil. And these are typically people with, you know, money and power and influence. And so, you know, it takes, think about how much coordinating it takes for a girl's trip to get planned or a boy's golf outing for the weekend. You know, you've got to work around other people's schedules. You've got to work around your kids, your job. Think about these people that have more money and, uh, their own planes and things that they can do, uh, you know, access to resources. It's no problem for them to once a year, just drop everything and go and do whatever they're going to do at Bohemian Grove under this very, you know, protected cloak, if you will. 
I don't think the Bohemian Grove is a conspiracy theory. I don't think what is done there, while it may not be as out in the open, I have a pretty good idea of the things that they do there and the purpose for which they do them. This is not just your regular, you know, boys camping trip. That's for sure. And I think it it ties into other facets of our existence. I think it's connected to obviously our government. I think it's connected to our law enforcement agencies. I think it's certainly connected to Hollywood, the entertainment industry. I don't think any of it is um, disconnected, if you will. I think I think everything is is more closely related uh, than meets the eye. But another one to look into for you guys. So Bohemian Grove, really, really interesting uh, little situation happening out there in California. Um, I'm going to go into one that I know is going to spark. Well, it's, it's, it's a controversial one. And I don't think that this will, you'll be hearing this for the first time. If, if I mention this particular conspiracy theory that is surrounding this one and it's 9-11. And I know it's a very sensitive sensitive topic because it was an event in our history that took a lot of lives that rocked our nation to its core. It was an event that it's, it, it was an unfathomable event that happened in our country. I, everybody knows exactly where they were on nine 11 we're all probably less than six degrees of separation away from somebody that was directly impacted by that. And by no means me talking about it as a conspiracy theory is, is in any way not being empathetic or trying to be disrespectful. But at the same time, I have a lot of questions and being somebody that has such a, monumental distrust for our government. And I might sound cold and I might sound even potentially callous. I don't believe anything that our government tells us really about anything. Even if it aligns with my, my narrative, perhaps I still don't believe them. And I struggle believing a lot of the things that we were told about 9-11. I just do. And I know that there are a lot of people that have very similar questions and that have looked at things from different angles surrounding it. I don't know if I'm sold on the whole idea of a, a random, well, it's not a random act of violence against our country. I think it was calculated. I think it was planned. I think it was done precisely. But I don't think that it is exactly the story that we're being told. There's so much talk about the melting of those beams and can jet fuel even get hot enough? You know, the way that the Twin Towers were constructed to withstand a plane hitting it because they were so, so tall beams were on the outside of the building, not the inside like we see with most buildings. The passport being found in all of that rubble, 
in that burning mess of all of that debris, you're going to find a perfectly intact passport to conveniently give to the news? Building 7. Larry Silverstein. If you don't know who he is, look him up. And the purchase of Building 7. And the insurance policies. Building 7 just collapsed. It was nowhere near 1 and 2. Nothing hit it. It just collapsed. And it collapsed in such a way that it appears like a demolition. We've all seen buildings be done in a, in, a, in, a, in a demolition intentionally, right? You're demoing a building to clear the ground, put something else up. Building seven should raise a lot of questions. And what came from 9-11, the Patriot Act, after that, TSA, no shampoo in your luggage. I mean, the, the things that cascaded after this event that never went away, that were supposed to be temporary, it was a pivotal changing point in our country's history. And I think a lot of things changed for us based off of a lot of lies, a lot of untruths. So conspiracy theory or not, I am not buying into the entire story surrounding 9-11. There's too many questions that are unanswered from, from just the most basic common sense standpoint, let alone then if you want to get into architecture and the steel and the structure and the melting, all of those other details that the that, that, that experts in those areas can talk about that just don't add up. And while we're on the subject or a slight segue in, here's my next conspiracy theory. It has to do with planes. What in the world is with all of the stuff in the skies? Chemtrails, cloud seeding, whether they're different, whether the same. Here's what I will tell you. I don't ever remember growing up and looking up at the sky and seeing what appeared to be, what appeared to be plain jet streams that just never went away, that just lingered. We all know when a plane flies and it's you know got the got the white trail behind it and it slowly just dissipates. And then now we look up in the sky and there are literally it looks like tic tac toe. And in the morning, it might be clear. And then all of a sudden, the planes start. And then the tic-tac-toe sky appears. And then all of a sudden, we have a cloudy sunset. I don't think that every plane flying in the sky is doing it. I don't think that it's commercial flights. I don't think that it's our cargo flights for UPS or FedEx. No. Again, I have such incredible distrust for our government, and I have seen them poison our citizens before. We have 
a myriad of examples in our history in which our government has intentionally harmed its own citizens for experimental purposes that I do not for one second put it past our government to be spraying things in the air. I just don't. It falls down onto our, into our drinking water. It falls onto us. It falls onto our crops. It falls onto our soil. Like the, the, the sociopaths that are, that are participating in this, what better way to reach massive amounts of people than to just load up a plane and just go spritz stuff on us from above? It's kind of a no-brainer. And then you have all these climate change wackadoos who are, you know, advocating for us blocking out the sun because it's getting so hot and, you know, the ice caps. So, so they're going to do what's called cloud seeding. And they literally just put it on mainstream news the other day and acted like it was just no big deal. Like it was just this big thing. Listen, of all of these conspiracy theorists, theories that I've talked about today on the show, Jesus, I'm, a sh- I'm, I'm sure of. 110%, I'm, I'm, I'm down with Jesus. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. And, and the second one, chemtrails, cloud seeding. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory at all. I think they're doing it. I think that they make it look like a jet stream so that the normies down here on the ground look up and go, oh, wow, it's a heavy, heavy flight day today. And they're none the wiser. Look into it. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. And think to yourself, maybe when you're outside, maybe look up. Ask yourself, does this look normal? Do I ever remember seeing these types of clouds before when I was little? We're seeing some strange weather patterns as well. I got word from my family in Oregon that it snowed in the middle of April. That's weird. Weather manipulation. It's not all conspiracy theory, folks. I have to dive into my last two and I have to dive into them very, very quickly. And I'm kind of bummed. I, I maybe talked too much about certain ones. But the last two that I want to talk about, which I've talked about many times before, one is the childhood vaccine schedule. And then, of course, the second is the COVID vaccine. I I am not at all afraid to say that I think that the childhood vaccine schedule does more damage than it does good. And I am not at all afraid to say that I think that the things that were put in place surrounding the childhood vaccine schedule, as far as signing contracts with your pediatrician, being labeled an anti-vaxxer, removal of religious exemptions, removal of medical exemptions, having to get proof for your employer, all of these things that have been slowly been put into place and surrounding the topics of vaccines. I feel confident in saying it was all done as a precursor for what we have just seen over the last three years. It was preparing us. It was prepping us. Specifically, the notion of calling people anti-vaxxers, specifically calling them uh, 
you know, again, conspiracy theorists when it comes to, oh, vac vaccines and autism, vaccines and food allergies, you know, all of these things that parents see, that pediatricians see, uh, the outspoken pediatricians sure do see it. And I think that if you asked a pediatrician who isn't outspoken whether or not they see it, they'd say yes, but they risk, you know, getting their big bonus from the insurance company. So they're really not going to say anything. Our childhood vaccine schedule does damage. It is not a conspiracy theory. Go look at VAERS. Go look at the vaccine reporting system. And now go look at the COVID vaccine and look at the COVID vaccine reporting schedule or the, the reporting database. These vaccines are creating medical and big pharma customers for life, especially the childhood ones. And the COVID vaccine, unfortunately, just as the childhood vaccines are, I think it's done more damage than it has done any good for anyone of any age, of any health condition. And the saddest part is, is I think that that's ultimately, that was the goal. I think that was the goal. Sadly, I had to rush through that topic, which makes me mad. But I hope that maybe some of these things have... I don't know, maybe made you think, um, question some things, maybe have you wanting to go and do a little bit of research about some things and just, just look at some things from a different standpoint and maybe ask some questions and maybe decide whether or not you're going to continue to use the term conspiracy theorist. You never know. But with that, that is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics. We will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time